This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This Master Brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by Hopsteiner, a global leader in the hop industry focused on quality, sustainability, and innovation in new hop varieties and hop products. Contact our brewery sales team to provide you with the hop-related tools you need to craft your next great beer. For more information, visit hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand-new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. Every beer has a story, and that's why, for over 95 years, Gusmer Enterprises has offered a full line of solutions, including equipment, analytical instrumentation, and processing aids, all brought to you from leading suppliers and backed by strong technical support. For the solution to your story, go to gusmerbeer.com. Beer as an industry is in a bit of trouble. Barley itself has become something unknown to the average consumer. If we don't keep our consumers knowledgeable and aware and excited about what goes into uh, beer, then we're going to continue this downward trend as an industry. And it doesn't matter how many breweries we open, that trend just keeps going down. This week on the show, we kick off a three-week barley sprint. Today, the closing speaker from the 2019 Master Brewers Conference in Calgary is here to get us pointed in the right direction. Hello, my name is Keith Armstrong, and I'm the head brewer at the Great Western Brewing Company in Saskatoon, Canada. I'd like to begin by talking about a dismal reality that we as an industry don't really talk about all that much, the trajectory of beer consumption. Give us some numbers. Oh, give us some numbers. Um, well, I think that uh, in in my production uh, for Calgary, I access quite a number of different uh, places where you could dig up numbers. Um, but it's really uh, just a steady, steady downward slope for almost 50 years now. So, um, well, I guess we're talking about a third of the per capita consumption has been lost since 1980 till now. And the last couple of years on top of that have uh, been very poor uh, industry years as well. So, you know, you know, the kind of decline we're seeing, you know, particularly in a per capita basis is really, really significant. Nobody believes me when I tell them that beer consumption declines every every year. They always say something like, but there's all these new breweries and they're so popular. Has the popularity of craft beer slowed the bleeding? The trend is pretty much straight line in all that period of time. Uh, you know, only the occasional little 
little bump in an occasional year, but often, uh, you know, it looks like the numbers are just not quite right because the year before maybe uh, low and the year after high or something like that. But it's a pretty straight line decline since uh, around 1980. And what about consumption of wine and spirits? How have they done during the last, say, 25 years? Yeah, so wine certainly experienced some downturn in the 1980s, but um, you know, since then they've been on on an increase. Spirits uh, since probably just after 1990 has been on a solid, steady increase year after year after year. So these are good comparisons, I think, to say you know, beer as an industry is in a bit of trouble. So wine, cider, and spirits are just eating our lunch year after year after year. That's certainly what all the data shows, and whether it's from the uh, you know National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and or, or uh, the Brewers Almanac or a number of other places, it shows the same uh, dismal trend. Yeah. I guess before you tell us what we should be doing, let's try to learn from some past mistakes. What shouldn't we be doing? I I personally feel that we shouldn't be trying to make uh, brewing so special that it's cutting other people out. So if we turn the clock back uh, six, seven, eight hundred years ago, uh, when the, uh, people were starting to make a business of brewing, they tried to kind of push uh, brewing as being so special that it, uh, it didn't invite people in. The brewer stars, occult symbols, even even things like using a Ramier temperature scale instead of Celsius or Fahrenheit and stuff like this. There's an awful lot of things that we've done over time to make ourselves seem quite special. And many people will know that when, if they've joined the industry and they, they've learned about specific gravity and temperature scales uh, during their, their educational period and then they find, oh, well, we can throw out specific gravity. We use Plato. We're, we're special. Um, you know, and at points in time in different parts of the world, we've used Plato as the actual labeling on a beer, not alcohol by volume or something a consumer might be concerned or aware about, but uh, different numbers like that. And uh, I think that it's very important for us to realize that if we don't keep our consumers knowledgeable and aware and excited about what goes into uh, beer, then we're going to continue this downward trend as an industry. And it doesn't matter how many breweries we open, that trend just keeps going down. And then there's the mechanical flow chart describing the brewing process that can be found in nearly every brew pub. What's wrong with that? Yeah, well, I think uh, I'll, I'll step back as a comparison again. The mechanical is one of the problems that we've really lost connection with our consumers. So, you know, the consumers, if you go and speak not to, uh, you know, a fairly knowledgeable home brewer or or a beer geek of some kind, but you're out there talking to real people that just like to have a beer, they'll tell you, you know, it's it's a... not a natural process where cider and wine and things like that are so natural and these sort of things really have to worry us too you know we've used so many negativisms in the last uh several decades that it's really really hurt us and so i think we need to think about this the way wine and cider do we need to constantly be starting in the field and for us starting in the field it's about barley Barley itself has become something unknown to the average consumer. 
Yeah, and those diagrams, it's just like a, a one little image of a, of a single barley head or whatever in, in, in those flow charts, right? There's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's an afterthought, essentially, right? Yes, it's a good way to put it, afterthought, definitely. The intent of the flow chart isn't bad. In a way, it's probably meant to address a disconnect that's developed over time, but it's mistakenly focused on the process rather than the ingredients, isn't it? Yes, I, I think that's a great way to put it because what we're dealing with in brewing is that um, uh, I, I'll say this in, in the brewery itself and, and said it for many, many decades now. Um, the brew house and what we do in that facility that is often the focus for our uh, description of the brewing process, the brew house is just a feed mill for our yeast. Um, in the end, the important things are out there with the barley in the field. Um, and coming through the malting process and coming into the brew house. And then after the brew house has made the food, the real reality of our situation is that we're yeast farmers as brewers. Uh, we're, we're not brewers. The brewer is somebody who just runs the feed mill in the middle. The yeast farmer is the one that makes the beer. And uh, so, yeah, I think that uh, uh, being uh, more all-encompassing and narrowing the brew house down and letting in the the ingredients in the field and, uh, you know, even giving more focus to the yeast and the fermentation is something that we need to consider about. And so for thousands of years, we've made beer, you know, literally uh, right around the world and almost every culture in the world has its own ways uh, historically. But the words for, for barley and beer are into every language. And so when we look at uh, Northern Europe, we look at Old English. Uh, barn really means uh, the word bear for uh, barley and Aaron for house. Uh, uh, it means barley house. That's what a barn is. And for many, many centuries, probably more than centuries, people understood that close relationship between barley and everyday life. And they didn't just understand the relationship. They knew barley itself intimately as well right yes uh you know we we were much uh more uh, closely related to the land and the and uh the farms even in the largest of cities in those days and i mean you know the maybe a way to describe it is even from say 1970 on there's been a drop across uh say canada and the u.s at least in farm uh, families, in farm uh, numbers. So the number of people on farms compared to even 1970 is probably about a third of what, what it was uh, in 1970. So, you know, we're, we are really losing our connection. Uh, you know, in the past 20, 30 years, there's very few people, young people that have a relative or somebody that has a farm. And so our whole connection to the, to the soil, to the, to the land is kind of being broken. How is wine or cider, for example, getting it right? Well, one of the things I think both of them do is that they're constantly showing uh, off their product as being the apples and the grapes. And so, you know, the mechanical part of uh, wine and cider making is often represented as, you know, the 5 to 10% of the picture, uh, whereas we'd be, you know, extremely lucky to get up to 5% showing uh you know, that, that head of barley or that uh, hop flower or something like that. You hear it over and over and over again, at least, you know, when you 
kind of ask the, the right questions at the right time to people that, you know, they feel they know everything about wine and everything about cider. And it's really interesting that, you know, they say that because they claim they know what a grape and an apple is. And uh, so here we are in the brewing industry where our key component is barley and the consumers uh, don't recognize barley. They don't recognize even the word. Um, uh, they don't. They they don't feel they've ever eaten it. Although it may be integrated into quite a few of the foods they they eat over time. But uh, yeah, it's it's my opinion that that's that's a, a connection that's really really important, and we've got to reinvigorate that connection. You know, whatever we can do as a brewing community. And the Master Brewers is the ultimate in brewing communities. Uh, to to bring people's awareness back to Barley is great. Um, you know, I've often said that, you know, I've rarely gone to uh, a brewer's meeting anywhere in the last uh, decades where Barley is actually served. So you get some meal with, uh, uh, you know, rice and wine vinegar, and I'm going, hey, you know, we could use Barley <laughs> and malt vinegar. That's right. Uh... Your TQ article included two statements from a 2019 Molson Coors Consumer Research Report. I'll read them and you can react. Quote, consumers don't immediately associate barley with beer, end quote. And, quote, understanding the benefits of barley, hops, and malt is very small, end quote. Yes, uh, you know, uh, it's very interesting um, when you have your own interactions with people and you form some ideas. And then when you see some people going out, uh, you know, into uh, the market and the consumers in, in general and pulling together some associations and come back that just uh, reinforce your own uh, perceptions from your conversations. And I think back, um, uh, I'm a New Zealand citizen as well and brewing in New Zealand uh, uh, back in the 1990s, I've got to say that, it was amazing how many people would you you would come in and you'd show them barley and even show them sprouting barley and explain it to them and there'd always be one out of ten that say well how do you get the syrup in does it come in a tanker because to them uh, malt was malt syrup wow something else you wrote that jumped out at me um quote brewers are abandoning beer for beyond beer talk about that <laughs> well um, you know, it, it's kind of a sad sort of a statement, but it's true. I mean, a lot of uh, brewers, um, you know, certainly throughout North America and to a certain extent around the world, are jumping into things that, you know, no longer have uh, barley involved. So they're, you know, sugar fermentations, uh, you know, whether it be a seltzer or uh, some sort of a vodka cooler and things like this. And um, you know, if we don't think there's a problem with the brewing industry, I'd point to some of that and say, well, hold on. <laughs> if we don't think there's enough room to, to uh, reconnect uh, people with, with beer and barley and bring people back into the fold, uh, you know, this, this run away from beer into other things has got to make us rethink that lost connection. Coming up, people see us as brewers as being the experts, and if if we're not knowledgeable and singing a positive story about barley, 
it's going to be really hard to invite the consumers in. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Support for this podcast is brought to you by ABS Commercial is a full-service brewery and parts outfitter. From our Raleigh headquarters to our Denver office, we proudly offer brew houses and fermenters from three barrels and up, yeast brinks, boilers, kegs, chillers, tri-clamp, and other stainless parts, all with the quickest delivery and lead times in the industry. Learn more at abs-commercial.com or call 877-BREW-ABS. ABS Commercial. We are brewers. Additional support provided by... Brewer Supply Group is now the proud exclusive distributor of Dingaman's Malt. BSG is thrilled to partner with the Dingaman's family and to distribute their superior quality malts to brewers, distillers, and homebrewers in the U.S. and Canada. Dingaman's Malt combines modern techniques with their long-standing focus on quality and service to their customers and remains 100% independent and family-owned. Go to bsgcraftbrewing.com to learn more. And thank you also to... Fermentus is the obvious choice for beverage fermentation. From large and small breweries to homebrewers, we've provided the beer industry with the best fermentation yeast since 2003. The yeasts are easy to use. Just pitch Fermentus yeast directly into your wort. No rehydration necessary. To learn more about how Fermentus can improve the quality of your fermentation, visit Fermentus.com. As you might imagine, there still aren't any opportunities to gather in person for district meetings, but that doesn't slow us down. After all, Master Brewers, which was formed in 1887, has survived more than one pandemic. Spring and summer have brought us numerous webinars and virtual district meetings, many of which can be replayed on demand. Here are just a few of them. Creating a safe environment for brewery tours, June 9th. Compliance testing for state-level cannabis markets, June 23rd. The Connected Brewer leveraging real-time fermentation monitoring to elevate product quality and operational efficiency, July 14th. You've heard me talking about the 2020 World Brewing Congress for several months now. As I've mentioned, it's my favorite industry conference. I've been looking forward to it since the 2016 WBC ended. Unfortunately, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we won't be able to gather in Minneapolis as planned. As much as that stinks, there is a pretty serious silver lining. WBC 2020 is going fully virtual, which means you can access the world's most cutting edge research in brewing science and technology easily and affordably from the comfort of your own home. Registration for WBC Connect is now open with information on both free and paid programming options. Visit worldbrewingcongress.org for details or check the direct link in the show notes. The District Texas Annual Summer Meeting in Kerrville is August 7th through the 9th. The Master Brewers Brewery Systems Technology and Maintenance course begins September 13th in Madison. The District Northwest Fall Meeting is scheduled for October 9th and 10th. The Master Brewers Brewing and Malting Science course is October 25th through November 6th in Madison. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. Now back to the show. Just a few weeks ago, listeners heard an interview with Greg Casey in which we t- he talked about the role of adjuncts in the history of American lager. 
Do you think that we need to be careful to promote barley and increase consumer connections with barley in a way that doesn't denigrate beers that aren't all malt? Yeah, I think that's a good point because whether we're talking about producing a uh, Belgian wheat beer with uh, maybe a little bit of raw oats or raw barley, I mean, you know, adjuncts are come in all sorts of different uh, forms and things like that. And to be, you know, fair, if you dial back um, what was going on in the late 1800s and early 1900s, we were actually getting uh, crops off the field in a lot better condition. And, uh, you know, malt uh, and barley were changing in those eras. So, you know, like your ability to uh, uh, germinate barley from the field, uh, even in recent decades, uh, you know, with the breakup of the Soviet Union and through the uh, 1990s, you could go and make beer in parts of the uh, former Soviet Union. But the barley was really poor and the germination rate was really poor. So you were, in effect, uh, making. It, you know, even if you made it with all malt, uh, if 25% of that malt didn't germinate, was raw it was barley. Yeah. barley that got <laughs> wet and dry again. <laughs> yeah. Before this interview, I spent about five minutes trying to find some recent data regarding beer consumption by gender and came up empty. But I'll take an un- uneducated guess that we've managed to alienate female consumers over the last five decades of decreased beer consumption per capita. You think beer's disconnect with women might have begun much earlier as a product of urbanization. Tell us about that. Yeah, so definitely uh, for for much of the parts of the world and much of history, beer would have been made at home on the farm. And, you know, uh, the, the, uh, um, the men would have been out in the field, you know, with a wooden hoe or something digging the ground, you know, really backbreaking work. And, uh, you know, the women. Uh, would have been brewing at home. And as things evolved, uh, you know, uh, whether it's um, we call a a large estate in medieval uh, England and Europe and things like that, as in a large farm, women were highly involved in making beer and selling beer. And, uh, you know, even in the small towns and cities, that was the case. But as we're talking, uh, we, we said, way back when the guilds were starting that was a period when women were kind of being uh kicked out of brewing the guilds and men and growing cities and growing organization were kicking women out so i think uh women's disconnect goes back quite a long uh period in time and yes there's certain things that have been done promoting beer and in the last 50 years that may uh, not have helped at all as well. But I think historically, women love the taste of uh, malted barley and uh, they love beers. Um, you know, the, the food scientists will tell you that there is a degree of differential between males and females in the foods they like. So there's, there's a reasonable amount of research that shows that women like uh, you know, uh, certain uh, roasted, toasted characteristics. So whether it's a piece of toast that's, you know, uh, more burnt than the, than just a pale tea piece of lightly toasted bread or whether it's, you know, the end of a roast that's uh, nice and, and crisp or whether it's uh, a nice chocolate malt character, uh, you know, women probably like some of those characteristics even more than men from a food science point of view. And so... We, we have lots of opportunity to um, return 
a lot of that uh, back to where where uh, it once was by just getting back to that connection between beer and barley and the field and uh, getting away from the mechanical ideas of things. So between sort of uh, alienating women and then uh, all these um, folks leaving farms uh, and, and losing that family connection to farming over time, I guess we really shouldn't be all that surprised that most people don't really know anything about barley, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's um, you know quite a sad sort of a situation um, because you know barley is one of the, the the nicest foods to eat. It's one of the healthiest foods to eat. Um, but you know, I I said somewhere uh, throughout the the presentation that you know going back thousands of years we've had a certain uh, love affair for the latest exotic thing imported from far away. So you know. Um, you know, rice was something uh, exotic a hundred years ago in North America, and uh, today uh, we won't pick up uh, barley. Uh, we'll look for quinoa or something like that imported from far away. So th- these are old, ancient uh, <laughs> problems in the human psyche. I think. So how do we fix this? I think it's, uh, you know, large part, it's pretty easy. You, you know, we're talking about perceptions and, and you know, everything we do in our communication, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, what we serve in a, in a brewery bar, a, a brew pub, uh, uh, w- what we do at our own conventions, what we do with our friends and family and neighbors and things like that. You know, there's a hundred ways to eat barley there's 10,000 ways to eat barley you know get it out there and and start bringing people's connections back um you know eventually uh, uh somebody in hollywood might even stumble across it and then it'll become uh, something even more attractive how we talk about barley and how we talk about beer in general is really really important to be positive throughout you know negative uh connotations really ruin the entire message you can't mix positive and negative together it just doesn't work for people so having uh positive perceptions about something starts with having uh us put across positive messages and that covers beer and it covers our ingredients and i think this is one of the places where barley also it, it has a fantastic role if we can talk about all the positive aspects of barley and everything that comes from barley um it's just part of what spills over as uh, positive attitudes towards beer in general. It's not just the consumer that we should worry about connecting to barley and, and all different types of ways, you know, f- food and beverage, um, but it's also ourselves, right? Don't we kind of need to start there? Yes, I, I believe it's, uh, we can't bring consumers into this message unless we're fully involved in this message so we can't fake it we we've got to get ourselves involved and i know uh, my wife and i you know rarely go a day when we're not eating uh, something from barley uh, that is other than beer um and i think it's really important for all of us to dive deep into this to get more connected with uh, our maltsters get more connected with our farmers, get more connected with, you know, agricultural uh, uh, people at the university, barley breeders and and such, but also the food scientists and everything else that spins in around there. We've got to be 
uh, having as many of the experts singing the praises of barley as possible. And people see us as brewers as being the experts. And if, if we're not knowledgeable in singing a positive story about barley, it's going to be really hard to inv- invite the consumers in. And it doesn't matter if you're a craft brewer or if you work for one of the largest breweries in the world. I mean, this we've all got to be doing the same thing. It doesn't. We're not competing with each other on this. Um, this message should be universal. Absolutely, it's uh, it's really critical that it's a universal message from everybody from uh, working together to get that positive perception out there. Uh, the perception that once existed everywhere in society and the message has really been lost in the last half century and so um you know it's not surprising uh, that since 1980 we've been on a downhill trend in per capita consumption that was keith armstrong here on the master brewers podcast if you want to join the movement to reconnect with barley here's a great first step Check out the show notes for direct links to Keith's TQ paper, as well as the slides from his closing session address during the 2019 Master Brewers Conference. You've heard me talking about the 2020 World Brewing Congress for several months now. As I've mentioned, it's my favorite industry conference. I've been looking forward to it since the 2016 WBC ended. Unfortunately, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we won't be able to gather in Minneapolis as planned. As much as that stinks, there is a pretty serious silver lining. WBC 2020 is going fully virtual, which means you can access the world's most cutting-edge research in brewing science and technology easily and affordably from the comfort of your own home. Registration for WBC Connect is now open, with information on both free and paid programming options. Visit worldbrewingcongress.org for details, or check the direct link in the show notes. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, ABS, Proximity Malt, BSG, Gussamer, and Fermentis. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support.